This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Really, Riley? Really, Riley? Really, Riley? Really, Riley. Really, Riley. Really, Riley. <laughs> Are you ready? This is the Really Riley Podcast. Woo! Hello, beloveds. Happy Wednesday. Hope you guys are having a really good week. Thanks for coming back to my little corner of the world that I call Really Riley. Where around here we keep things pretty real and sometimes pretty raw. As a matter of fact, when I started this podcast... That's what I wanted to be is very raw with you guys, whether it was funny, whether it was embarrassing, whether it was tear invoking, whatever it was, I wanted to be super open and honest with you. And this podcast is one of those ones that you may not want to hear right now. You know, you may be having a really great day and you don't want to be bogged down. And I'm not trying to do that, but disclaimer, this is a serious, if not sad topic. I wanted to talk to you guys this week about helping the people you love move through grief. So my husband, Marshall, and I have been married six months or so, maybe six months and some change since September, so do the math there. I'm terrible with math. Um, And we have been together three and a half years. Um, And we've been through a lot together. Since day one of our relationship, Um, life-changing surgeries. You guys have heard all of this on the podcast, but if anybody is new around here, I wanted to bring them up to speed. You know, within six months of our relationship, Marshall was diagnosed with avascular necrosis, so he had to basically have doctors at Duke uh, build him a new hip. So that was recovery and wheelchairs and crutches and all that stuff. And, you know, we had a miscarriage and just... A lot of hard things in life had hit us in our relationship. But the silver lining of that is that we knew that we could get through anything together before we were even husband and wife. You know, we have my son, our son, but two beautiful sons together. My son before him, Lyric, and then our son, Malin. Beautiful home, beautiful life, you know, but with that beautiful life often comes sadness. It's part of it. And as somebody that used to almost relish living in sadness, that sounds weird, but I was almost more comfortable sad than I was happy. And now that I've turned my life around, I, th- I like to think and manifested and created this beautiful life, sadness hits me even harder now because I appreciate what it is to be happy. And that doesn't mean that sadness can't come in and you can't feel that, but it's not my favorite. Obviously, it's not for anybody. But in the past few months, like five months, not even, maybe four, I've watched my dear, sweet husband, Marshall, lose very, very close people in his life. Three of which were incredibly close to him, and one of them was a colleague. So that's four people in total 
he's had to grapple with death. And he is not the person that wallows in anything. He's very much get up, go, wade through it, take it on the chin or whatever that saying is and keep it moving. He's not a crier. I think I've seen him cry three times in the total of our knowing each other. So when I do see him get emotional like that, even in the slightest, like one or two tears rolling, it breaks my heart. And it begs the question, how do I help him wade through this as his wife? And this could be true for anybody, you know, like a friend, a family member, husband, wife, girlfriend, sister, brother, whatever it is. So a couple months ago, Marshall lost an officer friend. Tragically, this was someone that he knew and respected and was in his corner. And Marshall's like me. He keeps his people very close to the chest. He doesn't need a million friends. He's got like five people that are his people. And this was one of his people. May he rest in peace. And then he lost another colleague that he knew, wasn't as close to, you know, that was a couple years younger than him. He had kids and he had a heart attack. And then this month, he lost his last living grandmother. And this, uh, this was a grandmother that I knew, and, you know, I haven't met much of Marshall's family in the way of, like, grandparents and elders because a lot of them had passed on before I met him, but, you know, I knew her. You know, she knew Lyric and my, obviously, her grandchild, my son, Malin. Um... And Marshall was very, very close with her. He was really, really close with both sets of his grandparents. So that wasn't very sudden in a sense because she was in an assisted living facility and, you know, she had some health problems. So it wasn't the slowest decline, but the decline was fast, if you will. You know, it was like, Health isn't that great, and then it was all of a sudden she's declining. Maybe not all of a sudden. I don't want to use the wrong words here and be disrespectful to anyone, but, you know, and then a lot of the family said their last goodbyes, and then she was gone. And it seemed as though for Marshall grieving, he took it the way that he always does, very strong, but I could still see him, like, painful inside. And then, just a few days ago, he lost his grandfather. Now, this wasn't the husband of his grandmother that had passed away earlier this month. This was his grandfather on his father's side. And he was incredibly close to that man. That man taught him to fish, to tinker with tools. You know, I had also met him and he was the sweetest man ever. I'd only met him a few times, but you could tell his demeanor was amazing, and as was his grandmother in the past. You know, I'd only had a few special moments with these people, but you could tell why Marshall loved them so, so, so much. And he's always telling me about the memories, 
that they had. You know, within the course of this month, Marshall has had to help sift through the memories of his grandmother and assist with what goes where and how does the, you know, like just the, the unpleasantries of what happens with the reality of death. And to see him in this state where I can feel him physically cracking a little. It's almost like watching a mountain crack. And therein, it's innately in me as his wife. And he's the person that I love most on this earth and in the heavens. You know, six universes from now, 17 lifetimes from now. I'll still feel this way about this man. So I want to take it away. I, I, I'd never felt that love before, so now I, I realize what it is to truly love somebody that you just you don't want them to hurt and you want to take away what they're feeling. Let me compose myself. Because to me, it feels like with Marshall, because he's not a crier and I am a big old baby, I cry at everything, that I felt like looking at him in this pain, I started bawling. And I felt like all the tears that he couldn't cry were coming out of my eyeballs. It's this weird, weird sense of bonding when you go through this with someone. The most painful intimacy there could be. And it's a strange territory for me to be comforting my husband in that way because he's usually the one doing it for me. Obviously, I'm more than willing at any drop of a moment to be there and do that for him. But it's definitely a shift of roles, and I think that that's what a lot of marriage can be sometimes. Still learning, because as you know, I've been doing this whole thing for six long months. Kidding. <sighs> but it's definitely a learning curve for me because I'm over-emotional. I want to cry. I want to scream. I want to be held. Marshall's a little different. He internalizes. I mean, some, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of men or whatever. I don't want to do the role thing and get yelled at for it, but he is the man that inwardly deals with things. And I am kind of like, I don't know how to deal with that because I want people to hold me and rock me to sleep. You know, I'm dramatic as hell. So it's almost as if I don't know how to be there in the correct way. I want him to be able to express his emotions to me, but I also don't want to bother him. <laughs> I guess that's the wrong word, but I don't want to push too hard to where he doesn't feel like it's helpful. And I know that death is just a part of life. And I know with every fiber of my being that those grandparents and those friends that he lost are truly his guardian angels. Absolutely, I believe that. You know, and there's those five stages of grief, you know, denial, anger, and whatever the other two are that you have to go through. It just feels like, not funny, but it's like that saying that hits just keep on coming and when it rains it pours and you know, all that. It's true for him. 
But I'm really hoping and praying that there's peace on the other end of it. It's weird when you become an adult and you realize the finality of death and grief because I have certainly had incredibly important people in my life pass away. And suddenly and without understanding, some of my greatest friends along my path, my greatest mentor and my hero, but it's not the same, I guess, as family passing away because I've never had that happen, God forbid. And I don't have grandparents that were living, you know. So for me, how do, how do I help? I try to always relish in the memories that he has. And, you know, right now as I'm looking around my little home studio, we've like kind of decorated in a sense that it's got a lot of vintage artifacts in it because when we went on our honeymoon I found this really cool old radio transmitter book and for our wedding I bought him an old antique weeder weight and you know now there's all of the things that Marshall has as memories pictures and war patches and all of these beautiful things that will love on always in him I try to always smile and talk about those things with fondness. Because I wonder if when you speak about someone that has passed on, if they can feel you talking about them. That it's almost like they get a little window into the conversation or maybe it's like a homing beacon once you do. I don't know. I always imagined it that way. When I would, in my head or in my thoughts, Pray or talk to the people that I had lost. And again, I know all of this sounds really sad and really melancholy and meh, but I warned you. (laughs) I gave you the spoiler alert. It really does remind me, though, that whatever squabbles I might have with my husband or whatever annoyances we have with each other on the day to day with you know having two small kids you know one of them just a baby and having very stressful careers and all that stuff that like the things that you should deem worthy in life are the very things that I see looking at these pictures of the people that he has lost now the wedding pictures and the pictures with family and vacations and fishing trips and weddings and All of these beautiful moments should be the focus every day. I know. Life ain't Skittles and rainbows, obvi. But it really stops and makes you think, like, I don't know that I'm afraid of death, but I'm afraid of living a life that's not worthy. I'm afraid of living without really living. And this, in a way reminds me that I need to cut the shit (laughs) when I start acting like life is this or that or meh, 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 you know? (sighs) It's pretty trippy, this human existence that we have. But I know truly, 
through all of this pain that Marshall is going through. That we have this chance to make a beautiful life and let this be a catalyst for that. Like, what would they have wanted us to do, these people that were so dear to him that departed? What advice could we take from them or learn from them and keep their memory alive? It is definitely different being the one, hopefully, that he leans on, you know? And it's also pretty strange, like, when you have kids and you are hurting inside and you have to, like, ignore and put that all away for them because you're just, you're grieving, but you have to grieve inwardly because you don't want some tiny little baby or some six-and-a-half-year-old to see you just crying all the time. Adulting is definitely a different ride. <laughs> but you know what, you guys? I am going to stop this here podcast and go enjoy the time with my family. And again, my apologies if this is a little bit of a break from our normal programming because I just felt like if somebody connects with this in any way, shape, or form, then great. Because like I said, life is not always Skittles and rainbows. And there's connection in that too. But if you guys have any stories you want to share with me, any tips and tricks on how to wade through this type of life change and grief, by all means, please hit me up. And if you got comments, questions, concerns, stuff you want to hear more of, less of, hit me up. DMs are always open. At Riley Couture, R-I-L-E-Y-C-O-U-T-U-R-E. That's Facebook and Instagram. Twitter is Riley Couture 7. No, that's TikTok. <laughs> Riley Couture 7. Twitter's Riley Couture 5. <laughs> and Snapchat is at Radio Recon. Hit me up. Let's chat. You guys, thanks so much for listening. Promise to be peppier when I talk to you guys on Friday with the Fave 5. Love you mucho. Thanks for listening. It's really Riley. <laughs>